This episode is sponsored by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Regardless of your residency program year, the Resident Orthopedic Core Knowledge Platform developed by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons is right for you. Free to residents, ROC is an online learning program that covers 11 subspecialty areas with content that's been authored and curated by some of the leading names in orthopedics. And residents can access content for free at rock.aos.org. Get started today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. My name is Dr. Cole. Myself and Dr. Fitz started this podcast to go over high-yield orthopedic surgery topics. But you are now tuned in to one of our classic episodes, one of our classic episodes featuring a board-certified specialist, uh, amazing person, uh, a great surgeon, uh, and a mentor of mine through throughout residency, Dr. Michael J. O'Brien. I'm a little bit more about Dr. Michael J. O'Brien. He is a fellowship-trained shoulder and elbow surgeon. He is actually the program director at Tulane University for the orthopedics department. He is the chief of the shoulder and elbow services. A little bit more about him. He finished his residency at the University of Maryland in Baltimore, and he did his fellowship in shoulder and elbow at the Rothman Institute at Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He is active member of ANA or the Arthroscopy Association of North America. He actually did their traveling fellowship, which is a very prestigious award and a very prestigious experience to take part of. He is on also an active member of the American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons. He has annually been selected as a top doctor in orthopedics at in the greater New Orleans area and in the state of Louisiana. He is an excellent teacher, excellent arthroscopist, excellent shoulder and elbow surgeon. Again, he, he was one of my mentors and I've done many cases with him at Tulane. So it was, a, it was such an honor and a pleasure to have him come on the podcast and to talk about shoulder and to talk about elbow arthritis. And we actually dig deeply into it. We talk about, you know, what are some of the causes of elbow arthritis? How do you examine these patients when they come in? And what are some of the different treatment options? There are a lot of different treatment options. How do you choose one? How do you choose the young active patient versus a little bit older patient? So again, we get into a lot of information here. So please enjoy this episode, share it, check out the video on YouTube if you are watching along with it. Uh, But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. You are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring doctors Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. Dr. O'Brien, welcome to the Nailed It Ortho podcast. So happy to have you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It is a real honor to be here. I've been a big fan for years. <laughs> Cody and I go way back. So he's way pretty, back. Uh, orthopedic residency at Tulane. So we've known each other for years. So this is a real honor for me, Cody. Thanks for having me. Oh, no honor for me having you on. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Again, I'm really looking forward to having you on the podcast. So I'm so happy that we finally have you here. And I know I, I know a lot about you, but the people listening may not know as much about you. We always start off just a couple of questions, just getting to know you a little bit better. So the, the age old question, because we have some residents that listen to this, maybe even some third, fourth year residents that are trying to decide what they want to do. And so I always ask a question, or sometimes I ask, what was one of the things that drove you towards, more towards, I guess, shoulder and elbow now, what you basically do? So what made you kind of choose a specialty? Yeah, I really liked the variety of the things that we get to treat. So coming into residency, 
I figured I would do sports medicine. And then I was at University of Maryland, so had great mentors there. So Anand Murthy was our shoulder surgeon, Craig Bennett and Jamie Dries were our knee surgeons. So we had a great training, great experience there. And through the rotations, I really liked the shoulder procedures more. So I liked being able to do arthroscopy, arthroplasty, fractures, ligament reconstructions, tendon reconstructions, tendon transfers. And so in one day in the OR, we were doing five or six different variety of cases. And so I, it just turned out I had more fun with the shoulder stuff than the knee stuff. And I wasn't really trained in hip arthroscopy at all in residency. So the variety of the cases really kind of piqued my interest. And then same with sports medicine. It's like dealing with young active people that are motivated to get better and seeing those folks get back on the field and do everything they want to do is what makes your day the best. Yeah, yeah, I can attest to that, especially just even training Tulane and looking at the, the schedule for the day. You may have like a, it's like you just said, shoulder orthoplasty, cuff repair, labral reconstruction or labral, labral repair. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really, I enjoy shoulder and the breadth of cases. You can, AC reconstruction, CC reconstruction. There's a lot you can do. Yeah. And then clavicle fractures, humerus yeah. fractures, elbow fractures, arthroplasty. Now we're doing more lower trap tendon transfers. So yeah. it makes for a fun day. Yeah, those are really good cases. And the next question that we have for you is that a lot of people are, again, looking into practice. We have maybe have some uh, fellows that are listening in on this and trying to decide what kind of practice they want to join. And so what kind of drove you towards more academics or maybe so private academics? I don't know what you call it. But what brought you towards is more the academic route? Yeah. And so at Tulane, we're a, an academic institution, but it functions like private academics where we each run our own clinics and we're seeing patients and doing surgery and we get the honor and benefit of working with residents and some sports fellows. Um, but our clinic really, our practice runs independently. So what really did it for me when I came out, I wanted to do shoulder and elbow. So I did a shoulder and elbow fellowship at Rothman and really wanted to try and focus primarily on shoulder and elbow. And so I found out that most of the private practices said, okay, well, you're going to start out as a general guy, and then you can work towards building your practice over five to seven years. But that would have included probably some total knees and a lot of knee scopes and general fractures and stuff. And at Tulane, I was fortunate to have the opportunity to train and work with Buddy Savoie, world-renowned shoulder and elbow surgeon, to learn from him and also do primarily shoulder and elbow stuff. And so working with residents and med students was a big interest of mine. I've never been a prolific researcher. So it doesn't come naturally to me. So I have to work at yeah. the research a little bit, but working with residents and fellows, cause y'all keep us on our toes. Cause you're looking at the latest studies and you'll say, Hey, what'd you think about this article? And I'll say, I don't know, Cody, what'd you think about this article? <laughs> right. And I have to go home and read it that night. But <laughs> right. What really drove the decision to me or for me was to really be able to focus on shoulder and elbow and also the ability to work with and train residents. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say the same thing, especially about keeping you on your toes and staying up to date with research. For those that are listening that are trying to decide, hopefully this can give you some tidbits or maybe a push one way or another. And in the last one, the left field question, or any interest that you have outside the field of orthopedics, it can be anything. It can be skiing, whatever you like to do. Yeah. Sports, pretty much. Love Tulane football. Love the Saints. I'm also a Vikings fan. I grew up in Minnesota, so 
that tortures me a little bit every year with the Vikings. <laughs> so we go to a lot of sports games. And right now I've got two girls that are 14 and 11. So a lot of our stuff on the weekends is around their schedules with cross country and lacrosse and stuff like that. I like to get a little duck hunting in and in the winter seasons, in the summer months, we love to travel. So whenever we can, we'll try and go. We do a family trip every year, whether it's around the U.S. or something. We haven't taken the kids to Europe yet, but that's on the radar for the next couple of years. So I think travel, good restaurants, sporting events, that makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. And those are, I can say, also make me happy as well. Those are all fun things to do. Nothing, I don't have any daughters. I don't do anything crazy. So it's all, <laughs> all simple stuff. Oh, perfect. Let's go ahead and transition and get into the topic of, of today. And we're going to talk a little bit about elbow arthritis. And just to give a, just a little bit of background of elbow arthritis, what are some of the things that can cause patients to come into the clinic with, or what are some of the causes of elbow arthritis? And then we can go through each one of these individually. Yeah. So I think the most common things that you're going to see are still osteoarthritis and post-traumatic arthritis. Now with disease modifying agents and DMARDs, we're seeing less of the inflammatory arthropathies. So we see a little bit less of rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, lupus, things like that. So the most common things that I see are usually run-of-the-mill osteoarthritis and then post-traumatic arthritis. So we've got excellent trauma colleagues down here that fix broken elbows after bad trauma at our level one trauma center. And they'll often come in yeah, there we go. So with post-traumatic arthritis, our guys are great at putting broken elbows back together. And then it's really common for those to get stiff. And so once the fracture heals, even with early motion, a lot of times they'll lose their terminal flexion and extension. So then we work with our trauma guys on those once they've been through rehab and they kind of get stuck and they're not progressing. And sometimes we'll take some of the hardware out. Sometimes we'll leave it in, but that works great to scope the elbow to clean out the scar tissue. You can release the ulnar nerve open, and then you can go in with a scope anterior and posterior, resect all that scar tissue to get them moving, and then get them right back into physical therapy. And usually you can get them at least a functional range of motion, hopefully near full range of motion with that. I think the other big category that we see a lot of is just osteoarthritis. I should have started with that when it was at the top. No, no, go for it. So, that one, usually folks come in with a loss of motion. And so they'll come in because they'll say, I can't extend my elbow all the way anymore. I have trouble getting my hand to my mouth. And they don't have as much pain. They have kind of a, a painless arc of motion through a functional motion, but they lose that terminal flexion and extension. That's from those impinging osteophytes that form on the tip of the olecranon and the olecranon fossa, or then in the front on the tip of the coronoid and the coronoid fossa. And so that one... You can usually tell on exam because they'll have a pretty firm endpoint to flexion and extension with a relatively painless arc of motion in the middle. And it's fine to live with that until they can't. And they'll decide, well, now I really have trouble getting my hand in my mouth or I can't get a phone to my ear or I can't extend all the way. So if they exercise, that gets in the way. And they'll t typically put up with that until that loss of motion really starts to affect the things they enjoy or their quality of life. And then we'll get a CT scan of their elbow to map out the osteophytes and an arthroscopic debridement works great for that. So you can go in in the front, clean out the coronoid fossa, shave away the coronoid osteophytes, go to the back, clean out the olecranon fossa, shave away the olecranon osteophytes. 
and you can usually get them back a full range of motion. And so that's a pretty minimally invasive procedure that restores their normal anatomy, but gets them back to doing everything they want to do. Yeah. And so kind of just to summarize it, so you spoke about post-traumatic arthritis, which are patients that have unfortunately sustained maybe some distal humerus fracture, some elbow fracture, radial head, something where they've undergone surgery and now they become stiff and therefore they've developed arthritis. And typically with those, you can treat those arthroscopically like you were talking about and doing arthroscopically releasing some of those contractures and maybe doing an ulnar nerve transposition or ulnar nerve release. And then you also talked about some primary arthritis. And the main thing with that as far as physical exam was that they typically have a painless arc of motion, but at the terminal of flexion and extension, it's like kind of a hard stop. And so what x-rays do you typically get? Like, what are your, you know, they come to the clinic and they say, oh, my elbow hurts. And you take a look at it and you see those hard stops in motion. What x-rays are are you typically getting? You have a, a series that you normally get. And I know you mentioned a little bit about where some of the osteophytes are, but what exactly are you looking for? Yeah. So we'll get an AP a lateral, and then we'll get two obliques. So kind of a internal rotation oblique and external rotation oblique. So you can use that. On the AP, I want to mainly look at their joint space. So I want to look at the ulnohumeral joint and the radiocapitellar joint. And I want to see that if they have a maintained joint space or if the joint space is obliterated. And then the other thing I want to look at is just do they have a normal joint architecture? Does it still look like a humerus, a radius, and an ulna? Or is it so degenerative that you can't really make out the normal contour of those bones? Some of the obliques, one oblique like the external rotation oblique is going to give you a better look at the radiocapitellar joint. The internal rotation oblique shows you a little bit better the tip of the coronoid or osteophytes on the medial coronoid. And then on the lateral x-ray, like on the right, to know that you've got a good lateral, you really want to see that nice hourglass of the distal humerus. So you see the, yep, the cortex of the shaft, and then it comes together very narrow at the coronoid fossa and olecranon fossa. And then the spool of the distal humerus should look almost like a circle right there, like you're outlining. The radial head should be pointing at the center of the capitellum on every view. So if you see the radial head is dropped out the back or subluxated posterior or lateral, then you know that there's some damage to the lateral collateral ligament complex. And that can happen after trauma. That can happen after an inflammatory arthropathy like rheumatoid arthritis, where they get this big synovitis and it just causes incompetence of those collateral ligaments. Yeah. Fact, speaking of, yeah, go ahead. But real quick, Cody. Mm-hmm. And on, on the lateral x-ray, I look at the tip of the coronoid and the tip of the olecranon right there. And so you can start to see some spurring that can form on the tip of the coronoid in the front or the tip of the olecranon in the back. And that can give you some idea about is there bony impingement that's really blocking their motion. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I love that uh, overview. And since you had mentioned rheumatoid arthritis, I know you mentioned it earlier. You said that you're not seeing this as often because now of all the DMARDs and the medical treatment of rheumatoid arthritis that you're not seeing rheumatoid or inflammatory arthritis as often. But say, for example, you're taking your boards or your OITs and they love to ask this, or you're in a country where they may not have access to a lot of medications. What are just some of the quick quick high points on inflammatory arthritis that we should know? Yeah. So 
usually with inflammatory arthritis, usually the patients already have a diagnosis when they come in. So they'll have a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis or psoriatic arthritis, lupus, things like that. As you said, luckily with the medical management of those diseases, luckily we see these chronic destructive changes less. They'll usually come in with more constant achy pain, and it's from the synovitis in their elbow. They won't lose as much motion typically as osteoarthritis. They may have a full maintained range of motion, but they'll be more painful throughout that entire motion. And then they're usually going to have kind of this boggy synovitis. So as you palpate that lateral gutter and the radial head on the lateral gutter, they're going to have tenderness there and kind of this boggy synovitis. They might have it on the medial side too, but you usually feel it on that lateral gutter. They tend to have a higher incidence of ulnar nerve subluxation. And so you want to keep your finger on the medial epicondyle as you flex and extend and just make sure that ulnar nerve isn't subluxating out of the groove. And so if they have pretty good maintained motion, and we'll get to the x-rays in a sec, then we might start with a, a cortisone shot and some therapy. When they start to get more destructive changes, then you might have to do something a little more aggressive. 